Hello and welcome back to the Double on Radio Games Cast. As always, I'm your host Ryan, and today I'm joined by my lovely duo of co-hosts, Brett. Hello. And Wyatt. I'm really sick, so we'll <laughs> be having to deal with that today. I just wanted to get it out of the way so we can just move on. Well, Wyatt, what are you sick with? Might you say that it is Stockholm syndrome? Why, yes, Ryan. I believe that is exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> All right, so today we're going to be talking about uh, basically Stockholm Syndrome with video games. What video games do we play that we don't really think are that good, but for some reason we're just stuck with them. We can't get out. It's a lot. It's a lot of video games that I think all of us have done this for on many, many occasions. We're going to, we're going to dissect them and really get in deep. But first, we have some news, because as always, a day after the podcast airs, regardless of what day we recorded on, major news happens. Yeah. And we, we talked a lot, the episode immediately beforehand, about this mythical Switch Pro. The mythical Switch Pro that would be coming soon. We got the Switch Pro. And by the Switch no, Pro, didn't. I mean the Switch. <laughs> the screen is a little bit better. The switch again. The, the switch. The, the switch, switch again, but fifty dollars more. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ugh. for those who who have somehow managed to miss it by the time this is here, uh, Nintendo just like randomly dropped a trailer for N- the Nintendo Switch OLED edition, which is just a Nintendo Switch with an OLED screen. There's no changes mm-hmm. to any of the back end hardware. It's still using the Tegra chip, still using the same battery There's, and everything. It, it, it's to be to be fair, a little fair. There are a couple of other changes, not just the screen. Why? It's not changes that people. No, let me. They finish. added an Ethernet port. Ah, let me finish. They are not changes <laughs> that people were really asking for, but they are nice improvements. But it's not really what people care. Are about. they? Are they nice improvements for fifty more dollars? <laughs> you finally have an Ethernet port, so you can better connect to Nintendo's incredible online services. What it is? It's it's a. It's it's an update to make the regular Switch a better handheld system because there's no improvements in terms of it. But they have like, one that's a better handheld system. They I already. Uh... That's why I said they're taking the base Switch and making it a better, a slightly better portable system. But they have and that in comparison. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying I'm in comparison say no. to the base Switch. Yeah, no, it's because like all the improvements <laughs> that are made are things that make it a better portable system. But the people. Ethernet That's only works still... when you're wired in the dock. Can I finish a sentence? <laughs> Can I not even finish one sentence? Why? <laughs> why? why? Saying the same thing and it's people... wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, if you let me, God, my goodness. Okay, <laughs> for people like me that use the Switch portably but aren't interested in a Switch, uh, what is it called, light. And there are plenty of people out there that want a base Switch but still use it as a portable Switch. There are some enticing improvements to make it a better portable system. For those of us that still want to be able to actually dock it into our TV and stuff, it's nice that they're getting a few more improvements to its portable like nature. I mean, the I'm only, the only improvement is the screen. There's no other changes. Yes, there are. It has a better kickstand. It's very much like a surface oh kickstand. oh. Excuse so me. The crappy. the better kickstand that's adjustable. I for, I did forget about that, Wyatt. Thank you very much for reminding me. It has an adjustable kickstand now. I feel like and that would totally justify the fifty dollars. 
I'm just trying. Look, look. I'm not going to bat for it. I'm just being like, because, because we're because there, we 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 do have to talk about the other things because the the OLED screen is the big thing, sure. But we do have to. I feel like we do have to mention. I mean, the other but thing. I I think saying it's a better portable switch when the only change that affects the portable side of it is the OLED. And I don't mean like tabletop because tabletop is a different game mode. That's not portable. That that is tabletop play. On right, but it's used. But it's used. You're bringing the switch around with you, so it's kind of under the portable banner. But like, I like. don't think anyone who's using the portable switch is going to be using that for anything important, right? They're not going to be using the the kickstand as a selling point. I think because you can already have like you can get an adjustable kickstand for your regular switch that makes it work better because the biggest issue with the kickstand I have is that you can't charge the switch while using it and they did not fix that. No, well that that's what I <laughs> that's what I was also getting to because there's a lot of things that they didn't change that is like baffling for one. I think it would have been nice to introduce some kind of Joy-Con that doesn't have drift <laughs> or like some yeah, or just something different. Redesign like... <laughs> something different. Yeah. Look, what I'm saying is I don't think anyone's happy and I get that. And I'm not really like it's it's pretty underwhelming. I, I think this isn't a decision by Nintendo. We don't need to have like a devil's advocate positive take on no. because I I'm think advocating for it, to be honest, because I don't think it's like a very good update. Like it's there for people who maybe don't have a switch. So it's like a nicer starting point. But that's about it. Well, you see, like, I, I agree with that. I think their audience with this was people who don't already have a switch. I think that's who they're trying to hit with it. But that market of people is now so small. <laughs> no, it is. I, I completely agree with you. What I, what I think, what a lot of people are saying happened that makes a lot of sense was that, uh, because a lot of people are like, well, where did all these rumors come from? A lot of like very reliable sources were talking about, you know, uh, backend upgrades and hardware upgrades and stuff like that. What a lot of people are, are saying that's, uh, that happened that makes a lot of sense is that they had planned to do more with this iteration of the Switch, but the current capacitor um, uh, shortage microchip at the moment. Shortage, yeah. Microchip, my, excuse me, microchip shortage. I think it's both just, that and just capacitors. Meant, are yeah, just meant that they had to like just slap on the OLED screen and, and that's it. Because my Which is thing, still like a baffling decision to me. No, no, I agree. And and my big my big thing is I was like, okay, they're going to announce some new kind of switch. And the reason I said that is because I feel like they have to because I and I've said it multiple times, the Nvidia chip that they're using to power the switch is being discontinued. I mean, I think we I think we need at this point we have to stop using that as a a measure for the making of these switch because it's very clear that if they are producing a new switch model with it, they have a deal with an Nvidia to keep that whatever specialized version of that Tegra chip they're using in, in production. I yeah. don't think we can look at that as a reason for there to be a Switch Pro. Um, that's why I thought it was originally. Now it seems like the plan is different, but yeah. that's the, why the gist, I was thinking that. For the the gist of the, the Switch OLED, um, and that's literally what it's called. It's just a Nintendo Switch OLED edition, um, is basically it's a 7-inch screen, so slightly bigger. The bezels are a little bit thinner. It, has, it does have the white Joy-Cons, which I think look pretty good. They're off-white. You know, if you if you're looking for a new switch and you don't already have one, uh, your old one broke or something, this is probably a good one to go for. But at the same time, it's super super confusing because this is three hundred and forty nine ninety nine U.S. dollars. All right. Now, what else? What what do you think you can get for three hundred dollars right now, Wyatt and Brett? What what you next gen get, gaming gosh. console? 
I you... wonder <laughs> if there is a next gen gaming console that you could get for the same amount of money for less you know money. For less <laughs> money. You know what? Or you, know you could nothing comes to mind. It's so weird. <laughs> I know someone who who got uh, an Xbox One S with like five games and all like the extremities for like $150. You can get more than two of those for one new switch. I mean, if you get insanely lucky, that that is someone getting insanely lucky. Um, Not right really, they're so though. They're pretty cheap, even on even on Amazon for for one for one S's. The, not the not the series. Oh, I, I thought you said series S. Yeah. No, no. Then I, the I series would be, S is three hundred dollars. If you can find a series S, and you want like a, a home console with an Ethernet port. <laughs> The uh, the Nintendo Switch is, is not looking like a great pickup at no. this price point. Um, I, I do think that it will probably do well in that market of people that don't already have one, but that market is like small. For the people that are interested in a Switch, don't already have one, uh, and are planning to pick one up right now and don't want to wait for an actual or, hardware revision. Or for some reason you have to replace yours, then you might as well replace it with like yeah. a slightly nicer one. But that's after... like. You know, you may not want to get it refurbished or repaired or something. And it's exactly. like, no, I just want a new one. And I think the big <laughs> thing, like, if, if you do have the money to burn, this isn't, like, a worthless thing. Because OLED screens are very nice. They, they are very yeah. good looking. Uh, and if you do use your Switch a ton portably and you want that bigger screen, not the Switch Lite, this is probably a good pickup. But it is going to be vastly more expensive than pretty much every other handheld out there. So There is also an argument to be made that OLED screens, depending on the game you're playing, can actually save on battery life somewhat uh because of the way that oled screens work like if the, the battery life reports we've gotten for this are exactly the same they, they've reported exactly. the battery life has not changed at all in so. in theory oled can oled screens can actually save you some battery life because there are times when if there's just a pure black color the the um pixels that are that color can just be turned off and so it can save battery life here and there but you know it depends on the game you're playing obviously or what you're doing yeah uh, just of it is, I don't think any games are gonna do that though. That's all. That's the the thing. I don't, I doubt any games are gonna register true black as an option because that, that is a rare thing to find. But yeah, that that's our Switch Pro <laughs> discussion. Anything else to add to the Switch Pro Switch OLED? No, I mean Good. like it's. I was going to, but fine. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> Talk about it anymore. Um, it's like, it's not even a good thing for, for me. Cause I am part of the, the market that doesn't have a, a, a switch of their own yet. And I'm like, I was just kind of waiting for a switch pro because that means that all the regular switches on yeah. like eBay and stuff all become like cheaper, you would think, but this is such like a non upgrade and it's such a non, like, I don't, yeah, I don't no one's going to sell their old switch to get, to get this. Exactly. I don't yeah. call it an announcement. I call it especially because it comes like after E3 season and like hype is kind yeah. of settled, right? It's not an announcement. It's like a cough, like a. <laughs> I I think they actually they actually <laughs> saved themselves by not put like. Can you imagine if if like all the Switch Pro rumors were happening and uh, Nintendo didn't say the thing that there wasn't going to be any hardware announcements at E3 and this is what they showed at E3? Like there would be. There would be hell to pay. I feel like people would be a lot more mad because people right now, I feel like, are just like, whatever. I guess I don't really care. But if, the, if that was shown at E3, yeah, if, if that was shown at E3, people would be like yeah. borderline homicidal. 
<laughs> it's it's like, it's the same situation where if they had announced like Diablo Immortal at you know not BlizzCon, people would yeah. be so mad about it. It's the same situation. Or if they hadn't said, "Do you guys have phones?" That's a big part yeah. of that one. <laughs> Antagonizing your audience is usually not a great move. Uh, but yeah, th- you guys that's the not have switches. <laughs> I do think. The the one major like confusing point with this is that there are starting to be a lot of games on Switch that are clearly struggling, even first party mm-hmm. and second party. So it looks everything is pointing to there needing to be some kind of hardware. Uh, even Nintendo's history of doing like a new version of whatever they put out, like, like the Game Boy Advance, n- new Nintendo 3DS, um, Super Nintendo, like something like that, feels like it's it's on the horizon. But it's probably with this OLED and the pandemic and everything, I'm betting at least a year out at this point, uh, if not further. And they probably had yeah. to release something. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm betting they they were like looking at their bottom line and were like, okay, we really do need to release something. Because uh, I think what might have happened is they didn't want to keep producing the old Switches at this point with the knowledge that they want to have this new Switch model. But then again, like I don't even know, have they said if they're stopping production on the, the base Switch model? I don't think they have. No idea. So, I don't know. This will be confusing <laughs> going forward with the, the now three versions of the Switch that exist that are all basically the same aside from battery life and a different screen. All right. We got some other minor news to talk about. And the only reason I bring up this this little game that's coming out is because Brett and I have, have a history of being fans of giant robots hitting each other. Mm-hmm. All right, never the time. I gotta ask you: Have you ever heard of the franchise Super Robot Wars? Yes. yes Did I you have. know they they've made thirty games, and almost none of them are in the language that we speak. <laughs> <laughs> but they're making a thirtieth. It's coming out. They're making Super Robot Wars thirty, and you can get it in English in Southeast Asia. Okay, so the the Gundam Breaker strat. You just gotta, yeah. <laughs> you just gotta go on Amazon, and uh, do it that way. Yeah. For those who don't know, these games are uh, kind of ha- they have a cult following because they're it's very rare to get mech anime games or mech games in general that are decent quality, and they're basically Fire Emblem with mechs. So if you're a fan of of mechs, and especially uh, franchises like Gundam, look into them. Maybe we'll actually get a proper localization at some point. But you know, I just gotta, I gotta give it a shout out while we still can. Someone's got to recognize it now. <laughs> Someone's got to recognize it. Okay. We had a state of play a few days ago. Did we? We did. <laughs> now, Wyatt, I, sure. I, Wyatt, you and I watched the state of play. <laughs> and I think I came out of that just feeling like, you know, I didn't learn anything. It was it, yeah, it wasn't it, wasted time because I, I enjoyed myself for the t- twenty minutes that it was on, but at the end of it, I was like, "This really feels like it could have just been put on like a different event, like kept mm-hmm. keep this as filler for the bigger event." Yeah, it was it was like a very um, nothing kind of. I mean, and not that they didn't show anything. It was just like it didn't really elicit a lot of uh, reactions from me at all. It was very like. <laughs> that's the best way to describe it yeah it's just an unenthused okay <laughs> i mean obviously they were they were pivoting the whole thing around um 
death loop but we've seen this already like everything they showed off it all sounds great but and it was nice that it was kind of un, you know uncut gameplay but i mean we've seen so much of this game at this point we're it's in that state of like we get it i i, I want to play it i i get it yeah, <laughs> yeah we're past the point know? of needing to continue seeing it it's yeah. the 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 people that are interested in the people that would be interested in it are already interested in it and they well, have been already pre-ordered yeah exactly they're you're the people who care already care and the people who are never going to care <clears throat> already don't care and now you've wasted like seven minutes more of their time i know that i knew there wasn't going to be anything else at the end but i'm watching it anyway just so i can be like <laughs> okay so the death loop thing again yep it's just why show so much more of a game it just doesn't just play it at this point especially because death loop seems to be a game that is relatively condensed it seems to be going yeah. through that like short and tight hitman experience. It's very replayable rather than a game that has a ton of new things to see. And at this point, I really feel like they've shown me like more than half of the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at this point, it feels a little weird. <laughs> but yeah, not even to mention that this is the newest game coming from Xbox Game Studios, headlining a <laughs> Sony event. <laughs> Wonderful, which is. <laughs> It's We're, this awkward kind of like, yeah. In a very strange time this, for video games. <laughs> and I'm, so that's I'm a looking thing. through I'm also looking through the announcements with the exception of like a couple, a lot of it's already stuff we've heard about. You yeah. know, if it was yeah. a lot of new stuff, it'd be fine. But I mean tribes of mid I have the list here. Like tribes of Midgar we already knew about. Uh Fist we already knew about. It's been a while, but we've heard about it. Sifu um, we know about. Sifu, uh, I remember seeing things for Jet a long time ago. Um, yep. You know, Death Stranding Director's Cut was just more of an explanation from a couple of weeks ago. But I, I do think that was yeah. the highlights for me, and I don't know if you, you two agree, were definitely Jet and the Director's Cut of Death Stranding solely for the fact that there is now kart racing. Yeah. yeah. Jet was weird. <laughs> I remember us watching the Jet presentation. We were like, the developers sound just as confused as we are of what this game is. Also, they sounded confused. It just kind of sounds like they were trying to sell me the way they would sell like a movie without revealing too much about it. But I want to play a video game and I want to know what the game is. Yeah. I didn't they were trying to keep I, it vague. I didn't get a good sense of what it was. And I like Super Brothers as a developer. They make really weird, interesting stuff. I love uh, Sword and Sorcery quite a bit. Yeah. But. I yeah, it was just bizarre, and I didn't know like what I was looking at. Like I was like, "What kind of?" There's exploration, I guess. Uh, what are you exploring? Like, why are you exploring? What's what's happening here? It was very odd. It was very pretty, but it was. I just didn't know what to make of it. <laughs> yeah, because they didn't go to any details about mechanics and systems. So, I think when you see a game like that that doesn't look immediately like something you can draw connections to where like if if someone is showing me a third person action game i don't need to know the controls because yeah. i understand what a third person action game is like jet is not yeah. like that jet is a, is a game that looks very unique and doesn't look like it has mechanics that you would find in a lot of other games so i really want to see them like go through like okay how do you fly this ship like what is the actual control scheme here um, it, it's it's a situation where it seems very specific, but they're being very non-specific about how they talk yeah. about it. That said, I, I think we both feel positive about the game. It's just a little bit vague I at mean, this point. Like I, I don't know what it, it is, despite them showing it off like ten times. <laughs> yeah, there's no red flags. I'm. It's 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 just like like what is it? Like I I don't really understand 
the the purpose of it. That'd be a, that could be a really good thing because it might come out and be super unique and different and just fill yep. it a space in games that we don't have. So maybe there's a reason again, for it. But and again, it's a good developer. I trust them to make quality work. So I, you know, it's not like oh, this is going to be bad. It's just it was a weird showing because I just didn't know what was going on. Yep. All right. That's basically the news we have this week from most major things. Unless it's something that, that jumped out at, for, at you too from various other news sources. But we don't really have any major games. Uh, no big reveals or anything because it is the, the wind down from E3. The calm how we forget, after the storm. <laughs> how can we forget the Witcher mobile game that looks like a Pokemon Go thing but with oh, Witcher yes. monsters? Yep, the, the Witcher how, monster how, slayer. How could we forget? Forget what, Wyatt? Like, what about that? You Do we just forget about the game? <laughs> How can we forget that it's coming out or something? I don't know. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, we do have... <laughs> I do like to end news when we have it, when it's possible, on a feel-good announcement. Uh, our feel-good announcement for today is that Summer Games Done Quick 2021 ended and raised over... Two million eight hundred and ninety thousand dollars for Doctors Without Borders. That's Damn, pretty good. That's that's pretty good. All right. It's a it's a large number. Just it's always good to see these these charity events do really well, especially because uh, Games Done Quick is always really fun. So yeah, glad to see, especially during the pandemic, they're still doing well and not having any issues with running the events and whatnot. All right, now it's time to talk about games that we kind of don't maybe not like but you know we still play them good everyone understand what's happening no yes all right yes <laughs> bright you seem so enthusiastic i want you to start us off what what have you got hidden uh, in in your den of dislike it's it's not really hidden at all uh really but uh there, there have been a lot of uh, FPS games that have come out in the last little bit that have not been very good, um, and you know, just to to pick to pick two of the the easy ones uh, that I think a lot of people would agree with: uh, Battlefield Five and Black Ops Cold War are, I, I think, going to be in, in in the future when when whatever when we're looking back on the history of, of these types of games, we're just going to be like, yeah, these are just like, I don't really know what happened there, but this is just not good. Um, and there is two very different scenarios, but I think uh, a, a similar thing uh, kind of holds them to the same, to the same thing that we're shooting for of like things that make us feel good about playing games that we don't like, or are just bad. Uh, <laughs> and for, for both of them uh and for a lot of other shooters that people don't like it's just straight up the the gunplay just feels so nice and so so slick uh and i think a, a lot of people would agree that especially in in battlefield 5's case that was the best part of the of the game um and before they uh removed even that uh it was like the only thing that was holding people in uh, and now for me, it's a it's a similar case with Cold War, where I keep, I like hop in every like like few weeks or something, and be like, oh yeah, this is <laughs> this is this is all right. And then like like I'll just have one bad game, and I'll just be like, this is the 
worst thing I've ever put into my poor Xbox. My God, this is terrible. And then I won't mm. play it for another like two weeks. But I keep coming back and I hate it. I don't like that it does that to me. And I wish it would stop. But I, <laughs> I it just, it's, it's for, for me also, it's like this thing where it's like, well, every game's got like the, the M4 or the MP5, like the same, you know, because they're, they're real, real weapons that real armies use in real life today or in the past or whatever. And I'm, I'm super interested in games like uh, the Battlefield games and uh, Cold War where they have just like weird guns that I've never like, I never thought that I would use the, the sniper that the Halo sniper is based off of in a video game. I never thought I would be able to use that. Unfortunately, uh, it's it's in a pile of garbage, but I can do that now. And so my brain goes, that thing looks super sick and you can kill someone in one shot with it. Go use it. And I'll yeah. go, okay. And then I'll start crying because it's not fun. <laughs> but it keeps <laughs> happening. <laughs> yeah, the, the, king, the, king of, the king of those weird weapons was definitely Battlefield 1 because you look at some guns and it's oh, like, yeah. where does this thing even begin and end? Like, yeah. what, like, like they got the two clips that are making like a V shape. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's like these two top loading clips. It's insane. Um, but no, it's uh, with Battlefield 5, the other thing is there was, they had so many cool like ideas for mm -hmm. that were like legitimately really new and um and i thought like added a lot to it like i i'm i'm very alone in this but i thought um you know building sandbags and like little turrets and and basically a lot of base building was actually really cool um because it allows you to just completely level an area and then build it back up which i thought was really interesting i thought all the new stuff that they did with like uh the squad mechanics was great and like um just keep just um making sure that people are working together more and stuff like that um what a shame what a shame <laughs> it's it's even more of a shame because it's like these things whether whether they're like you know like like fully realized like i would consider like the mobility in, in five to be pretty like well fleshed out and I, I i like the the base building things too but they're a little like it doesn't seem like they're they're like half-baked I don't, at least in my opinion, like you could do more with them. I, little, little tiny, like two foot deep ditches don't really do it for me or for cover at all. Uh, and it seems like people just kind of associated them with bad game. And we haven't really seen word on either of those things or a lot of other things that were introduced in five in, in 2042. I, I think they've said that mobility would be like the same, but I could be wrong on that. Any first-person shooter I play that doesn't have crouch sprinting makes me really sad because crouch sprinting is one of the <laughs> best things I've ever seen in a first-person shooter. It's great. Yeah, it's Dude, I, I legitimately useful. want to quit a first-person shooter now if I can't sprint and then crouch slide. Yeah, yeah that's become the, the a mechanic sliding. that I just expect yeah. to be there. Yep. Also, the the. Uh, the high ledges that you can reach in Battlefield Five, I missed that in a lot of other games because you can legitimately yeah. reach ledges that are like above your head, and if you jump up, your guy can like grab and clamber up, which is great. And we haven't even talked about the customization, which I understand isn't uh, historically accurate, but if you kind of take it for what it is, is this like insanely over the top like Hollywood blockbuster aesthetic for World War Two? It's great. <laughs> There's a lot of really cool looking cosmetics um that again are very kind of over the top and cartoony but if you kind of accept them for what they are they're great 
Uh, Feels very mm-hmm. Captain America for a soldier or Wonder Woman kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very you, romanticized you, version yeah, of World War II. If you take it as that, they look awesome. Like legitimately, I I loved hunting for different, uh, like unlocking different cosmetics for it, just because they look so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But it's trapped in a pile of garbage that I never want to play. So I never do honestly, it. Honestly, what, things. What, what what kills you it know? for me? And I'm I'm a lot you're a lot harsher on the game than I am, and I totally understand it. Um, what kills it for me is just all of the live service stuff that just doesn't. Oh yeah, at all. That's mm-hmm. really what kills it for me. I putting putting one. I'll never understand putting one battle pass in for all four classes is. I don't even know mm-hmm. where to begin with that. Like, like, like the biggest thing you have this game that's very much about class diversity and making sure you have the, the right like composition for a certain situation. But if everyone's trying to unlock cosmetics and new gear and stuff, and they're all working off of the same like um, battle pass, then that means everyone's yeah. using the same classes to do the same same things. And Dude, so your your can you can you imagine them yeah. screwing up and doing the same thing, but with the like the 20 different character operators that they're playing on having and you just see everyone playing one out of like 10 or 20 different classes that's gonna be horrible they better not do that because jesus that would be it's giving me a headache just it's giving me a headache just thinking about (laughs) because the problem is i could see them doing that i could legitimately see that being a thing that happens and it would be Uh, horrendous it i i will say everything about What's it called? 2042 uh, yeah. seems to be like, okay, Battlefield 5 was, was a mistake. We're going back to what you guys like. And that was like probably one of like far and away one of the biggest complaints that yeah. the fan base had it. So if they, oh man, <laughs> it's going to break my heart if they do it again. I'm still, I'm waiting for the, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my hopes in check. I'm waiting for the screw up. I'm just it's waiting the, for there to be it's one. The, it's the EA catch. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's the giant EA, but we haven't hit the <laughs> but butt wait. yet. All right, so we've we talked about live service things. I think I we can keep it on the live service track for a little while because I am one of those people where I talked about this last week. Live service mechanics have have worn my patience down to the point where I will almost quit a game solely based on live service being a part of mm-hmm. it, if it's at all like feels at all like it's trying to get me to give me any kind of fear of missing out type deal. I'm almost instantly out at this point, but there, there is one scenario that will keep me playing games like that. And that is if they have some kind of character or gear progression system that changes how things look over time. All right. So I'm talking like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you upgrade the armor, the further into the game you get and it changes appearance because you upgrade it more. As soon as you have that type of thing, I'm stuck there. I can't leave because I have to look fly. All right. That is <laughs> my, my Avor has to look super fly. All right. Which means I got, and I have to earn it. I can't no no store crap. Cause none of that levels up as you, you, you give it better appearances. You can't do that with the store stuff. So what's the point? All right. Yep. That, that is a thing that will keep me playing so many like poorly made games. <laughs> if they Fashion. do that. Yep. Give me give me yeah, some proper fashion. And I'm going to be talking about that a little bit later. I think you guys know what's coming up soon. <laughs> I don't. I'm excited because I'm, I'm oh, nearly okay. brain dead today. <laughs> so, 
very excited to hear barely that. breathing <laughs> that, is, that is legitimately why i didn't quit monster hunter the first time i played it actually no the second time i played it because i did quit monster hunter the first time i played it i i quit and was like oh i don't like this game why are the weapons all so slow came back a year later played it again it started to click for me and i kept playing because i wanted to see the cool gear and then by the end of it i was just in but that's the thing, yeah. like, if you have that, especially in a game genre that doesn't usually have it, so I'd love to see that in things like uh, Ace Combat. I would love an Ace Combat game that gives you, like, it doesn't need to be anything major, but make it so the missiles have, like, a different tip, you know? Dude, <laughs> you should play the 3DS game where you can have a Donkey Kong jet, and I am not joking. <laughs> you can have, you can have, I think there's there's a Donkey Kong, a Luigi, a Mario, a Rosalina, like a Peach skin or something, and it's all on like, like like realistic, like it's just the F twenty two, but it's got Donkey Kong's like stretched face over it or something That's like beautiful. that. It is hilarious looking. <laughs> and I, I I will I I will say too. I don't think this is like a bad game at all. But it's but um the the amount of customization that you can have in Watch Dogs Legion is a huge reason I yes. keep playing. Like like the instant yeah. I got a new agent, I was like, all right, I'm taking them to the shops, and I am. <laughs> And I'm completely changing the way this guy looks based on like how I want to role play this character. And it and I, I even got it down to a science where it's like, okay, this one spot has like five or six shops around it. I always go there because it has the most amount of stores everywhere. See, <laughs> um, and just and I almost ended up always doing the opposite of I would get the characters how they look normally and then try to like play them based on how they, they were dressed and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But like I got the dude in a tank top and like the kung fu pants, and I was like, "All right, this dude's going ru- running in and just melee all the time." Yeah, fun fun stuff like that of having those different customization options. And if you put any like roguelike thing in your game, I'm gonna play it. I may not like it, but I'm gonna play <laughs> yeah. it. It's gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you have that kind of random run progression, I'm in. One one thing for me, and this is gonna transition into the, into like the main game that I wanted to talk about. Um, the one thing for me, and and this is very not everyone's gonna feel this way. This is very specific to me. But if you have a mechanic or a system that doesn't work, but in theory is really cool, or you can be like, oh, Absolutely. I see where you were going with that, and that's really cool. That keeps me playing, especially and if it that, almost gets there. If it's almost yeah, there, and that leads me perfectly into Bio Mutant, because mm. Bio Mutant, in terms of having things that make me play crappy games. Has it all, man. It has, <laughs> it has everything you could possibly imagine. It has, it has really cool customization. It has really cool systems and mechanics that like almost work. <laughs> um, it has uh, a really interesting like world um, and, and environment, which I really liked. It has an interesting aesthetic to all of its um, armor, which I really like. It has a lot of customization. It has it all. It has everything you would possibly want in a bad game that keeps you playing. Um, just because there's such a combination of so many weird things going on and and none of it works and it's all awkward and strange and, and kind of really bad. But as you're playing it, you're like, man, like you're almost imagining what the developers were imagining. Like they had this great idea of... Um, uh, it's a lot like Fable in the sense that there's a lot of uh, dialogue and you can pick between different things that's like a clear, like, good choice, uh, like a good choice or evil choice, right? And what's cool is that uh, your, like, um, 
the like devil or the angel on your shoulder manifest themselves as actual characters kind of like swaying you to do one thing or another and they actually have like banter with each other and they like fight and it's not good banter it's not well written banter but that's such a cool idea where you make a, a decision and the angel and, and devil on your shoulder are kind of like arguing like an old married couple like I could see that working really really well if you had some really good writing to back it up you know or the idea that you have to construct different um, vehicles in order to like um, safely walk across different parts of like the map and stuff like that is so cool. And there's all these different customizable pieces to like make your your these different uh, mechs um, look different and interesting. None of them control well, and they're all horribly awkward. But it's such a cool <laughs> idea that you just kind of keep playing. And there's so many cosmetics to like make them look really interesting and unique. And um, yeah, and then the big thing was just the uh, upgrades and customization for your character is just fantastic because it has such a weird mix of like modern clothing. Like there's literally uh, you can get like a pair of just skinny jeans with like Converse or you can get like, you know, uh, robes and stuff like that. So you can get this really weird like Jackson Pollock esque kind of look of just like throw on whatever and mm. then your like different mods or visually show up as like okay i'm gonna stick like this weird metal piece that like you literally stick into your arm with like a nail and that's going to be like a mod for your shoulder piece or something like that it's it's so like scrapped together and it's such a cool look and you get so many of these pieces as you keep as you go and the best part is there's no uh inventory limit whatsoever so you can just hold on to as much of this as you want <laughs> so it just creates this really addicting rhythm of like i want the next thing that i can stick on my shoulder pads <laughs> so it just keeps you going it's yeah same thing for me in brett I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the game damon x machina but yes one thing that i love in that game and i think that is a, a perfect example of a game that like isn't technically that great but it, it's landing in a niche so well that i'm gonna play it regardless because like there, there's so few games like it but one thing it does is when you upgrade your character in the upgrade screen you get like mechanized body parts that change your character model to look mm -hmm. different based on like what your upgrade is so if you get like rocket boosters so you can double jump guess what your character now has rocket boosters for legs you don't get legs anymore you get rocket legs and I think that that's such a cool little thing that will make me want to see all the different, you know, types of, of armor and whatnot that I can get with that system. Same way that like Biomutant does it, where you get those different looks at different times, yeah. which I love. And yeah, no. And again, like the the weird stuff that you can throw together in bio, like like literally there's different gun components. Like when you're crafting a gun, it's like, OK, you have to have the base part, which kind of dictates what kind of gun it is. And then you can put on like a barrel and then something at the end of your barrel a scope a stock um different types of magazines and stuff like that and the pieces they get are insane literally the handle of a gun you can have is is, is a banana it, it doesn't make any sense but it's just but it's great the weirdest wacky or like oh this weapon is literally a plunger with nails coming out of it like that's great that's that's weird and, and kind of hilarious, and it's great to see while you're fighting. Or someone will have a, a toilet strapped to just the log of a tree, and that's his, like, giant hammer. 
and it just adds so much like character to something that would otherwise be kind of very bland and forgettable. Yeah, I, I love that one, especially when I, I think a lot of games can make up for mediocrity with a sense of style, mm-hmm. especially like that. That's basically the entire genre of Eurojank is just making up for being technically unable to do something by trying as hard as you can <laughs> to get it yeah. to maybe work. Um, and a lot of games like that are objectively not super great like they just have mechanics that don't work as intended or super buggy but you can see what they were going for and it's super cool to see someone attempt it and I, I think that means a lot of those games get played I, I've played pretty much every Spiders game <laughs> unfortunately and a lot oh, no. of them are, are not fun and I don't I, I wish I hadn't played them for as long as I did but Greedfall you know, they brought it back around. Eventually, my misplaced faith turned into actual good, well-placed faith. They figured yeah. it out. <laughs> they figured out and, where to put the budget so that the game comes out good. And I do feel like, too, is like partially as we're all developers, I think there's a certain sense of like when something doesn't work, but you yeah. can tell whatever studio was working on it, you could tell they're trying their absolute hardest. Especially when you work. like can figure out where it went wrong or like why they weren't able to yeah. do it and you're like i totally see why like, this didn't like work what, when something doesn't work not because of laziness but maybe it's just like uh, a situation in budget or you just didn't have the people to pull it off or something it's like y- you give it a lot of leeway because you can tell the the work still went into it and that's and that's the thing with again with biomutant is that so much of this doesn't work but you can tell that they weren't being lazy they just were really excited to do all these interesting different things and they and unfortunately they couldn't pull it off but you could tell they really wanted to and they were trying yeah yeah definitely i think one of my favorite examples of something like that is a this is a game i can guarantee neither of you has ever heard of or probably ever would have heard of if i had not mentioned it here a game called warsim so warsim is is a game you can find on steam it is a text-based, entirely text-based, ASCII art, super deep, like, fantasy realm simulator that, like, generates character models with ASCII art and everything and does these oh. super unique events oh. and all that. It, it looks super bonkers, and it's very, very fun. But it's the kind of game that you look at and, like, I think unless you're a little bit insane, you don't buy this game because you don't understand what you're looking at. <laughs> you look at it and you see just a bunch of like insane looking ASCII art pieces and just don't comprehend what, what is in front of your vision. And I think it's, it's one of the, the best examples of, of that kind of thing where it's a game that like clearly is made by like one person who does not have the time or the budget to do art. So they decided to work around it by doing like procedural ASCII art. Which is, I think, a perfect workaround, but it also means that you're going to find a lot of people that just won't play the game because they don't like the look of that. Uh, But I I think it's great to see people attempting that, especially when they succeed relatively well, because the benefit of having only one person is you don't need to sell that many copies to make your money back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also another... another, I guess kind of boon from that is that you end up making something really unique from the the limitations, whether whether people yeah. end up playing it or not. Like just the fact that you know, I guess for good or bad reasons, no other game really is going to look like that. That's enough of I would consider an achievement. 
And, you know, you, you have the, you have a high chance when you do something that's really out there, but doesn't work, you have the high chance of, of inspiring someone who's like, wow, that's great. I think I can like push that forward and do. Especially if someone with money sees it. If someone with a lot of money sees that idea and is like, I really want to see this succeed. You might get something really cool out of it. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, I do have another couple of games to to bring up. I think a few of us have had had the pleasure of uh, the misplaced pleasure of playing the Fallout series. Now, I think I think Fallout Four is almost underrated, and that so many people say it's bad, but it's still a fun game. And I think that's like the perfect encapsulation of Bethesda as a company. Of <laughs> On a lot of levels, people are right when they say these games don't have a lot of depth. They don't have a lot of, like, meaning behind them. There's not a whole lot of hidden narrative or anything. A lot of the time it's just made to be cool. Uh, The environments get stale very quickly. But I don't care because I can play a game in first person and go do things in an RPG. I think that alone sells so much for me of of being able to, to have the RPG numbers and whatnot, but in first person. I'm I'm excluding the gameplay, everything else, but just the perspective is so rare to get like a proper 3D first person game that is an RPG and not like a shooter uh, or a terrible action game, I think is what you really want to see. And, and yeah. Bethesda so, has cornered that market. So maybe, maybe a genre, like, like a type of game that hasn't been done in a while, even if it's not very good, it's still scratching that itch, right? Oh, I'm talking specifically about Bethesda. Like, I think Bethesda, everything they make has that same feeling of this isn't that technically apt. It's not that well put together in a lot of ways. But you can tell there was an intent behind it, and they really wanted to make just like a fun adventure for you to do. Mm -hmm. And I think the only companies that are doing that without feeling like they need to cater to a specific audience in a way... So they don't need to like change with the industry a lot. You still get those feelings of okay, they're doing whatever they want to do in this format, and I think I think that goes a long way for at least Skyrim. I think up until Fallout Four is kind of where it starts to peter out after Fallout Four with seventy six and whatnot being mm-hmm. a little bit of a train wreck and all that. But I think up until then you had bit. like this. <laughs> Like, I don't know, Ryan. I feel like I feel like calling Fallout seventy six a train wreck is still giving it too much uh, credit. Too much credit because that would imply it has some kind of pulse to it. <laughs> it's a complete flatline. Oh, God. I, anyway, <laughs> I can't. But what I did, I, what I did want to say is, I um, it's interesting with with Bethesda too because, at least for me, and I think for uh, a lot of other people, it's like we can with a Bethesda game. It's like we do like that that first person like. RPG adventure, even if they don't pull it off, it, it um it's there. And for me, it's like what what brings it over the top. It's like okay, I'll I'll play Fallout Four or Skyrim or whatever for a bunch of hours because they have good writing to string you along in those quests as well. Um, so even if like the gameplay wise, what gameplay wise, what you're doing isn't great, you still have a great story that um that you're following along, and so it almost like distracts you from the less than stellar gameplay at times, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Writing can definitely do that definitely. a lot. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know how much longer I'm going to stick on the, on the Bethesda train, but I do have a, 
a, a segue uh, um, into into another example if uh, if we're done with Fallout. Uh, I, th- I think I don't think. See, I think Bethesda's unique in that there's not a whole lot else I can say about them. Like a lot of these games, we can go really nitty gritty into the details, but with Bethesda, it's really just a situation of the games from an outside perspective are not that uh, technically apt or, or super interesting because they're not doing a lot of things that other games are doing. They're missing out on the, on the opportunity to, to tell a story in a more complete way uh, that a lot of games are doing now, especially when you compare like Skyrim to The Witcher 3 because they were relatively close in time span. Um, even like the, the Witcher 2 was doing a lot more narrative before then and still had those, those activities you could do in the world. But at the same time, you really do get that sense of scale and whatnot with that perspective. And they do this thing where a lot of people say they want Bethesda to have those huge environments and like huge cities with nameless NPCs and whatnot wandering around. But when you do have them, all like all the NPCs in every city are named and have a role, you get the benefit of like things feeling really cohesive in a way that most games can't. Where like in, in The Witcher 3, if you're walking around Novigrad, you see so many people that if you follow one, you're going to see that they don't really have like a super in-depth routine or anything. And it's because there's so many, you can't do that. You can't do that for every single character. I think Cyberpunk is like a good example of that. You really cannot do that for that many people. It just doesn't work unless you're employing some kind of crazy procedural gen thing. But like obviously Bethesda's not going to do that. They're going to hand make it all. And it's going to be varying quality, but it exists. And it's a unique like twist on the world and very sandboxy in how it works out. All right, Brett. Now, now I'm done. Go ahead. Segue <laughs> right. away. Well, it's uh, I I I feel like the the kind of sentiment of of good writing kind of be able to pull you through a, a bad, I guess, thing in general is kind of you know not not unique to just uh like a few games. I feel like it's a pretty common issue where like gameplay might suck, but the writing's good. Yeah. Um, and that that is very much true for uh, a lot of. A lot of games on like the the older side also is like people trying to go back and play them now. Um, it's whether whether you have you know the 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 taste of like oh well I understand it's older like oh this sucks but the story's good. It's just that's they can't they can't help the time that they were made in. Um, and uh, specifically, uh, I'm I'm thinking about good old. Good old Yoko Taro's uh, yep. debut title. Uh, I feel like you can't talk about this sort of thing without mentioning Dragon Guard because oh my god, 100%. it's a piece of garbage. But it's also one of like it. It's just it's just art. And there's so many games that still to this day are made as as art, but control like the worst thing <laughs> and are just horrible in every like actual aspect of what a video game should be, like. Every single character is a horrible, horrible human being. The, there's like one attack button and there's no combos. So you're just mashing that, killing like hundreds of enemies in like the least interesting brown, large environment for a Musou game, I guess. Um, and then they got the Ace Combat 3 guy to do Dragon Combat that also sucks and he should have stayed with the planes instead. But like the music is made by an insane person and the story is made by an insane person and they just they just kept whacking at it and now we have we have near from from those games 
they're they're tangentially related and to this day i mean tangentially still... they are directly related well yeah to to the to the first Drakengard, yeah there's a, a, a horrifying uh <laughs> fifth ending that ties it in with the real world um and but like and and that's that's another part of the same thing like you wouldn't have someone trying to do that in like a lot of other games even at the time if you're not a kojima type yeah but here you have this this absolute bastard just thinking that it would be funny if the characters from a medieval magical fantasy world just went through a portal and came out over Tokyo and got shot down by an F-15. They just thought that would be funny. And it's in the game now <laughs> as a thing that you can get. And, and yeah, the whole, the entirety of Nier comes from that. But as a game, uh, that is uh, a, I, I, w- I would almost consider it a piece of garbage for how it plays. But I think that's, that's one of the reasons that people like it, as weird as that sounds. It is like yeah. the most Stockholm Syndrome 100%. game. Uh, yeah. Having played old Nier before the remake, mm-hmm. for a lot of portions of that game, and I never finished it when I I played the original because of that. Like, I I was I was too young to be like, oh, this game's art. I, I was like a I think yeah, 13, yeah. 12, 13 or fourteen, I think. And I, I looked at this game and I was like, oh, this is just some weird, terrible RPG. I'm gonna go play Oblivion instead. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> And now Near Automata is one of my favorite games ever made. So yeah. <laughs> it's one of those situations. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's definitely super clear, especially because uh, Brett, you were talking about playing um, Metal Gear Solid Two recently, and, yes, and how your experience yeah. with that is. <laughs> see, I am going to say I did not have the same experience as you. Metal Gear Solid Two for me went pretty smoothly. <laughs> Mm. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad it did for you. What? <laughs> I'm curious what you did wrong. Oh, oh really? Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, I, I, I guess what I did wrong is just by playing the game how it asks to be played and using the the absolutely fantastic first person controls for the 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 combat sections that it wanted to be in first person because it told me to do it. Yeah. Um. And there's 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 a lot of things about that. Like I, I can I still obviously like respect it for, you know, being as important of a of a Metal Gear game and as important of a game as it is. But in terms of like actual gameplay, it's like it's it's very it's funky and I was not first. Yes. Which is weird because I, I said this when I when I uh, posted about it in the Discord, but just like the first game should be the weird like uh 3d controlling stealth ps1 game with like i there's like a what are you you're throwing stuff and shooting people and the this the sniping is like this and there's two whole boss fights of it and it's terrible but it's it it ends up standing up way better than than two in my opinion because you know instead of making just two boss fights with the wiggly shooting now it's all the shooting is the wiggly shooting <laughs> and the 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 stealth you know the opposite of the shooting the thing that you should be doing instead is like super like i was getting spotted by guys outside of their their little their little vision cone in the top of the screen on the mini map and like i i'm i'm not i wasn't as much of a fan of the okay the loop is i'm going to walk into the room and I'm going to try to do what I think is right. Oh, the the floor 
exploded and they didn't tell me that it would do that or oh this guy that i couldn't see because the you have to unlock the mini map in this game isn't it wasn't there and i didn't know I, w- I wasn't a fan of the of the trial and error doing the same thing over and over again until i found the right version um that's was, that's, that's the difference yes. Brad. that's the part i like <laughs> i would have i would have liked it more if i'm gonna be honest with you i would have liked it more if uh if raiden had less health because what this means with his his huge ass health bar that's like half the screen is that I walk into a room and, you know, I mess up and I go, oh, geez. And people start shooting at me and I'm just standing there as all these bullets just enter my body. And I just go, can I can I get can I get can I do it again? Can I get the second chance already? But no, I have to sit there and wait and I don't feel like sprinting through to the next place and then alerting all the other guards in there just having a train of like 50 people with like riot shields and shotguns following me i just want to die already and it wouldn't let me it wouldn't even give me the sweet release of death ryan it wouldn't even give me that well there's another game that that doesn't give you the sweet release of death and that is a a little game by the name of metal gear solid peace walker Mm. now i don't know if you played peace walker brett I have not yet. But I'm Peace Walker is, is a weird game because it, it is the portable Metal Gear Solid 3 follow-up yes. where like most of the game is mission-based and you're going to different areas and, and doing these little portable missions and like capturing soldiers and bringing them back and doing these crazy things. So I, I think that is... It's an interesting twist on the Metal Gear formula that works very strangely. And it, it's not amazing. It, it's the kind of game where like it doesn't have the same tightness that... Uh, one through three in Metal Gear Solid have of mm. having that that like very narrative through line and you're always doing something related to the plot or it's some funny like side thing that you're doing. Whereas Peace Walker, it's it's a portable game. It has a ton of missions that you can do that are completely optional and just filled with filler because it was meant for that. It kind of followed that like Monster Hunter formula of having these different missions to go on a grind for these different soldiers that you could get, but mm. that didn't really fit super well with Metal Gear. Uh, at least conceptually at the time. Um, I think it, it worked for a lot of people because that game is pretty well regarded. For me, it it didn't work in a lot of ways, but the way that it did work was the base building and collection bit. Because as soon as you put base building and collection in a game, my little monkey brain goes, oh, I want to get... I can, if, I can, if I can find a banana and put it with this other banana, I have two bananas now. And then I can go and get more bananas. And then I come back and I have six bananas. And then, and then wait until those bananas, they're going to grow into a tree and I can get more bananas. Even more bananas. <laughs> what are we talking about? Why? If We're you, talking about if, Metal if Gear. You give, if you give a man a banana, he will eat for a day. But if you plant the man a banana, he will eat for the rest of and his life. And if you life, hand Wyatt. Kojima a banana, he will teach everyone how to grow persimmons. <laughs> That's what's going to happen, Wyatt. No, no, no. He's going to throw those bananas into a box and strap it onto his back and just send it to you <laughs> on foot. <laughs> on foot. That, that's him now. So I, I think Peace Walker has this super unique feeling of like doing the, the proto Metal Gear Solid Five thing of building your base out and everything in this weird portable format that feels like it shouldn't work but just barely manages to because of the fact that there's so every single mission you have the opportunity you have the question of oh but is this dude is he better than this other dude can i can i yoink him and and get my better soldier is he going to help me build this thing that i can build to to get 
arbitrary numbers higher that I don't need, but I want them because I want 12 bananas. Okay? <laughs> I think <laughs> that that game ticked something in my brain. And, and to me, the weird part is it did it more than five. When I played Peace Walker mm. in, in the... And I didn't play it portably. I played it in the collection that came out. It, my, I could not stop. I could not stop doing random missions and collecting <laughs> random things to unlock like the secret secret ending way at the end that was just a weird thing that doesn't mean anything, and I, I couldn't stop. I, I, I couldn't hey, stop. I don't know if I was having fun. Loop. <laughs> I don't think I was having fun, but I, I did it. <laughs> I think that's really, that's really the through line here. I think Kojima knows how to inflict Stockholm syndrome on everyone who plays his games. So uh, yeah, <laughs> the man is insane the, enough. He's probably figured it out. He's yep. just too art house for his own good. He wants to direct <laughs> movies, but he never will. Yep. He never will. <laughs> Hollywood's never going to accept his crazy, crazy ideas. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he's, he doesn't care about happened. Hollywood. He's going to do his yet. own movie. He's not gonna. He's not gonna ask Hollywood for permission. He's gonna get Guillermo del Toro, and they're gonna ride off mm-hmm. in their minivan over to wherever they, <laughs> to, to maybe well, hey, to the moon or gonna, something. He's gonna have a bunch of director friends. I know Adam Wingard was in. Uh, yeah, in Death Stranding as well. He's I mean, he has an entire film cast in Death Stranding, right? You could just make <laughs> a movie with those people. It'd be weird, but you could do. It. <laughs> he's gonna make the what, next like Kojima room movie. Weird? What? <laughs> I, I just want to see Kojima attempt to make a movie that's super bad, like intentionally, but with incredibly high name actors. Like, get everyone that's in Death Stranding that they're super good actors, and just have them in this terrible, like, art house garbage fest oh, that dude. is entirely just like mocking everything wrong with a lot of those art house movies. And I think that would be the ideal Kojima movie. That would be good. It would be, it would be called <laughs> Art House Movie. <laughs> there right. you go. But part of some of the things we we've surprisingly wound up talking about a fair bit is is surprise endings to games. And I think oh yeah, uh, we 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 do games on the show. We do games and awards. And this time I want I want to have uh, we're going to do right, a game. Where is this going? <laughs> we're going to do a game, and I want you to think of a game that you've played and enjoyed. Uh, and I want you to think of a secret ending. All right, this game gets a secret ending directed by Hideo Kojima or Yoko Taro or someone of that ilk. And it's just nonsense, right? It's nonsense, but you you want to see it because maybe it could lead to something interesting. All right. Now, I'm going to give an example here. I want to sit down and play a video game. And I'm playing this video game. No way. And I don't <laughs> This is a weird one cuz I don't think it needs here. to be a specific video game. In fact, I, I kind of want it to be like a, a weird indie game that comes out, something like a, like a Hollow Knight situation, or like maybe at the end of Bloodstained, this happens. And you finish the game, and then you finish the game in the credits roll, and right in the middle of the credits, just at a random point, if you press a button on your controller, the credits stop, and a video of Hideo Kojima plays. All right, it just, It's just like Jeff Keighley's thing. And then he just sits there and explains exactly how the game you just played is connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a second part to this. That's the first part. But after he's finished, the credits resume playing. And if you find the right moment to press the button again, he then explains how the game is connected to the Kingdom Hearts universe. 
All right. Less surprising. Less surprising, <laughs> but more convoluted. And then at the very end, he reveals that the sequel to the game you were playing will be Elden Ring. <laughs> That's what I want. Oh my god. I want the most bonkers description he has just in the middle of a random game that is just a secret ending. If you press a button at the right time, you get Kojima explaining how your game is the prequel to Elden Ring. Through the Marvel Universe and Kingdom Hearts. There you go. Jesus. There you, there you go. How are, how are we supposed to follow that up? <laughs> well, you gotta I, do I got, it. I got one. I got one. Um, so I've been playing, uh, replaying Witcher 3 recently, and uh, there, there's a moment in, in, without spoiling, there's a moment where um, a character who can kind of hop between different, um, like, uh, points in time or different like planets and stuff like that is retelling some of the tales and some of the crazy places she visited and one of them she's like oh yeah there was this crazy world where people were living in buildings that were stacked on top of each other and there were flying cars and stuff like that it was crazy and then Geralt was like yeah bs no way and everyone was like oh that's a that's a cyberpunk reference because cyberpunk obviously hadn't come out at the time and so it was this fun little reference wouldn't it be great if CD Projekt went, they went to Koji when they were like, we want you to make an ending to Witcher 3 that is the most bonkers, insane thing you've ever seen. And the ending is this character recruits a bunch of people from Cyberpunk during the final battle of Witcher 3 and just has them unleash all of their technology on the wild hunt and all of your enemies <laughs> and stuff. And it becomes this giant epic battle of of uh polish dark fantasy and uh and cyberpunk technology and it just becomes this this chaotic hey, hey, i'm gonna tell you something really really weird right now there is a game that is exactly what you just described <laughs> it's called elex <laughs> and it's a perfect yeah. example of exactly the type of game we're talking about and then, but it's and then game. during the credits kojima comes up and he's like yeah, so this is this is the uh, this is how the world of Elix is started. This is a yep. <laughs> this is all a prequel to Elix. This is how the world started. <laughs> Look, Elix is getting a sequel. It did well enough to get a sequel. So, <laughs> hey, I would love that. That would be great. All right, Brett. What you've got? What do you got for us? All right. So during the the whole time during my uh my Ghost of Tsushima playthrough, uh me me and uh and one of my friends who was also playing it uh, at the same time, uh, we we thought it would it would just be really funny if just like there was like a super low chance of like one of the maybe one of the the Mongols or one of the the citizens of Tsushima just walking around just had like a Yankee cap on or just like had like an iPhone just like weird like what and then like you turn around and look at it again it's just gone. And uh, like for some, we we really hooked on that as just being like just part of the game, and just occasionally just seeing just a Ferrari just come over the hill and go down, just like all right, well that was the that was the Ferrari the the Ferrari of the the hour, I guess. So I'm just I, like the the most buzzkill ending of all is I'm just you know let's let's say you you don't you don't uh, uh, win against against Coat and Con and you get you get flung into the into the ocean a second time 
and and you you wake up uh and uh you're 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 you know slumped over slumped over uh, over a trash bag on the on the wet urban streets and and one of your one of your friends nudges you on the shoulder and goes dude are you all right we got it like you just like you just like flopped over man like oh. you, you were you were out for like a solid like minute just like come on we gotta go and you were just like you were in like the post uh the the post like after drinking session of like a like a concert or something and and somehow you just imagined the entirety of ghost of tsushima especially imagine if it, it pulls up and you'd face planted into like a manga or something and then and then the ending line it cuts to black and the last line is are you okay man looks like you've seen a ghost oh my god <laughs> yeah, and it, it just focuses on your on your character just Really? That's <laughs> just a hit. And then you see Kojima see, handing you a banana, and that's full circle. See, and he I goes, thought, this is where it starts. <laughs> One banana is all it takes. Where I thought you were going with that was like a, um, um, like a, oh, what's that? Dang it, what's that movie called? Uh, the Jim Carrey movie where he's in like a fake town. Uh, oh no, come on. No one uh, tell him. <laughs> Nobody no, tell him no. struggle. Um, <laughs> Truman Show. Truman Show. <laughs> I thought you were going a Truman Show route, where occasionally you're like on a movie set or something, and someone has like, like, oh, sees, yeah, like, like, yeah. like, like season eight of um, Game of Thrones. Someone just has a yeah Starbucks with the Starbucks. Cup, yeah, they're just like, rid of it as quick as possible. Oh my god. That'd be great if there was a game that actually did do that and was like pulling true oh, yeah. shenanigans the game, entire time. There's a game that did an Easter, that didn't like a little Easter egg of that, or like a little joke. Uh, in the very first level of Shadow Warrior, um, if you go back down the driveway where the cutscene is, there's like this. Yeah, I did weird. that. The, the, the road keeps going, but it looks weird. And then when you walk up to it, you notice that it's just a sheet that's made to look like the road. And you're like, what the hell? What, what's going on? And there's a little cut. And then you look through the cut and there's just a bunch of robots behind it all lined up, like ready to kill. But they don't do anything. <laughs> it's great. Cool. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. So we, we've created our secret endings, which means we can continue our discussion about inane game mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> Moving past the secret endings. Because <laughs> I really wanted to just shove this right in the middle somewhere. Just a random Good. spot in the show. So someone's going to click in just to this portion and be like, what? What did I just listen to? And see, you see, you should have saved the game until the very, very end. It wouldn't have been the secret ending of the show. Oh, yeah, after the no. Astro game. Well, Wyatt, how, how do you know I'm not going to do that? Look, you, look, look, after after the uh, the Final Fantasy bit, I I expect only the worst from you at this point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like everything is up in the air. <laughs> entire life is a lie your, at this point. Your, your entire existence, I don't believe it for a second. Facade. <laughs> You're just a really, really well-rendered convincing VTuber for all I know. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. I'll take you it. I'll, I'll take it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny that. All right. <laughs> So I do, I do think we, we have a, a rare, smooth transition to talk about Elex, which I never thought we would have a proper segue to Elex, which is really the game I wanted to mention this time, because I think mm. that is a perfect example of a game that is, like, terrible in so many ways. And 
I, I don't mean that game is bad because I, I don't I think it is a good game for what it is, but it has so many problems. So many problems that are just very clear like they didn't know how to do this. Like the jetpack doesn't work well. You do this weird upwards like it's it's like farting, right? It's not even like a jetpack. It just you fart yourself upwards, <laughs> like ten feet, and then you fall back down. And if you fall slightly too far, image. you take fall damage. What a scene! <laughs> <laughs> it is super awkward. The melee combat is almost impossible because you get one shot by pretty much everything in the game right at the start, which you know often goes hand in hand with these Eastern European games that are coming out. Um, especially when they're they're low budget and trying to hit that like sur- almost survivally thing. Except Elix is like high fantasy, <laughs> so it didn't fit super well. And then this weird bird will run at you out of the forest and just kill you in two hits if you don't know what to do. And then the bows <laughs> they get bows wrong because your bows don't shoot with like hold to aim. No, you press the button, your bow shoots like it's a gun. It's super disorienting. It feels so weird. <laughs> And it has the one like major killer in that game is that it doesn't have any very interesting skills or anything to get to. It just has these like a lot of weird them- unthematic things that are like okay, you get like this thing that gives you like a thirty percent chance to do this thing at some point, and it's just so boring. But it does have the really cool thing where if you pick you pick one of three factions, and the game can be like completely different based on which faction you pick. And as soon as the game does that, I'm going to give it more than one playthrough. It's happening. <laughs> There's no choice. All right? I have to see what happens if I side with the, the Viking people that use magic versus the people that shoot everyone else with guns. All right? <laughs> I need to know what happens. And Elux is one of the few games that, like, delivers on a lot of that. They actually managed to get, like, three completely different playthroughs in the game based on what faction you choose in an open world like RPG, which is bonkers. So I, I think that is one thing that like it's in that biomutant situation of a lot of the things this game does just don't succeed, but it's enough enough is there so that you can see what they were going for and they almost did it. They're just a little mm-hmm. bit away. And that's why you're, I'm you're, I'm legitimately excited for Elex too. You're recreating what they were probably imagining in their head in your own head. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> if you guys, oh, I know where you guys were going. That's so cool. And then it keeps you playing. It's almost like reading a young adult novel as an adult, right? Where it, <laughs> sometimes you'll read one that's just like, just interesting enough to be like, I can see how this could be really cool if it wasn't written like it was a 12 year old. I've said this a lot, not on this show, but but to a lot of my friends, it's like YA novels always have like either the dumbest or the absolute coolest like single sentence like pitch ever, yep. and then they almost never do anything with it. But yeah. like, but like when you sum up a lot of YA novels in a single sentence, I'm like, that sounds cool, and then they that's just, great, and then they just they poof out <laughs> of <Yep>. existence. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's filled with teenagers. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's filled with teenagers, and none, and none of them act like teenagers at all. It's horrible. Nope. Horrible. Nope. And there's a government that they have to take down that's being very weirdly or oppressive. What? Or there's supernatural things, but the supernatural things are also sexy. Or, or, or there's a game that the entirety of society <laughs> is based around that these teenagers have to take part in. All right. Or, or. <laughs> The uh, the ultimate kill move, vampires. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Just vampires. Mm. That, vampires. Look, that's supernatural, but they're sexy. That, that's what that is. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, this is now a book podcast. I hope you're all okay with that. <laughs> I had to get that out there because I I just think it's it's interesting. They no, it, it fits coolest, with this comparison. Yeah, they always have the coolest one sentence description, and then you go beyond that one sentence and like, nope. I mean, no. that's basically every Spiders game and uh, Pir Piranha Bytes game. That's all of them. You got the yeah. one that's like a pirate RPG where like old gods and krakens are coming alive and are like to cr about to crush the world. Can, can I also ask how are pirate RPGs like not more of a thing? Like that is such an obvious like like come on how? Especially because we've uh -huh. had them. like we've had triple A pirate <laughs> yeah, RPGs. Yeah. It was Assassin's Creed Black Flag. It, I, that was a triple A pirate RPG, and then they just is gave up RPG? on it. Almost, almost. It, it's like. <laughs> It is a role-playing game, but it's not quite what you think of when you think of like a third-person RPG. It's not like it's not a lot. It doesn't have a lot of like the stat. There's not like hard like numbers. Min maxing. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not. Dude, that, I want to see it, it a AAA pirate RPG with hard numbers. Give me that. <laughs> I want it so yeah. bad. Yeah. Never happen. <laughs> never happen. Like most upset I think I've ever been in an announcement is when they were like Sea of Thieves, or not Sea of Thieves, Skull and Bones was like. We're gonna, uh, you know, become like a multiplayer only, uh, multiple people on a ship, basically just Sea of Thieves, but again, and I don't, it's one of the most disappointing announcements I think I've ever heard. It's so sad. It's so sad. I just want, give me my pirate RPG. Someone. Give us, give us a series that's, that's basically just Assassin's Creed 4, but is its own series. Totally fine with or that. Or dude... What I want to know is why we don't have, like, a, a proper new steampunk crazy RPG. Give me something with a setting that is, like, industrial fantasy. I feel like that's the that's a setting that so many people can, like, vaguely relate to because of the fact that there's things that are uh, relatable to, like, actual modern technology. And then there's all yeah, the crazy yeah. Final Fantasy things of you got these, got magic and all that, that fun shenanigans. I want to see some, some more steampunk stuff, especially if it's, like... We we get a lot of steampunk indies, but we don't get a lot of steampunk mm -hmm. high budget games. Speaking of which, uh, question for the two of you: Is there a game where almost everything sucks, but the world is either visually so interesting or just the the history of the world is so fascinating that you kept playing just because you liked the world and almost nothing else? We already had the Destiny conversation last episode. Yeah, wow. that, that is <laughs> to me literally what Destiny is. Yeah. yeah, at least Destiny One. <laughs> Destiny Two, I think, is is, yeah, a, is a one. pretty fun game at a lot of points, but um, Destiny One is, I think, almost to a T that of yeah. There's so many things that didn't work, and and I'm talking before the expansions because I I do think Destiny One ended in a really good spot relative I think to where the it began. De I think Destiny One, after all of his expansions, is still probably better than like. I had more fun with it than Destiny 2. I'll put it that well, way. Well, yeah, because it didn't have the FOMO. That, that's the big thing to me, is yeah, Destiny yeah, 2 uses so yeah. much FOMO, uh, which is why I just can't really enjoy it. Because every time I play it, I'm just constantly concerned about, like, am I going to get this thing? And then I realize it doesn't matter, mm -hmm. and it's the Here we go dumb. with the Destiny again. Hooray! And Alex yeah. isn't even here this time. <laughs> I know. It's so sad. It's, it's probably better for his health that we're yeah. talking about this without him because he's so out. bad. Get it all out yeah. now before he comes back. Poor but guy. it's also we're we're talking about the positives now, so maybe he would have a hard time considering that he, all he does <laughs> is hate that game and then continue to play it. But I uh, I like 
I, I'm super guilty, Wyatt, of just like coming home from from high school and just like sitting in like that first uh black garden location and just looking at it for like an hour and just being like why can't there be more of this in the game that is literally set in this world nothing else looks like this with the the green and it looks like a maze and there's red flowers everywhere oh my god it was so sick there there are so many areas in that game that like the 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 background is way more interesting yes. than what you're yeah. actually playing it. Yeah. <laughs> the concept art for Destiny is like the highest tier art ever made for video games ever. Yeah. I have I have so both good. of the art books because the concept art is just better than either game. Their entire art division, whatever they're being paid, they're not being paid enough. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> what I did, I looked through my Steam library of, of like very old games that I haven't played in a few years. And I did find a game that I think almost perfectly fits the bill. So oh, yeah? it's this little game called Way of the Samurai 4. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I just heard, I just heard some acknowledgement from Brett. So Way of the Samurai is this super weird like sandbox RPG franchise that's kind of roguelike in that if you die, you like restart at the beginning with some currency to get like different starting options and whatnot. Its big thing is that it's like set during the English like empire meeting the Japanese area and the it's like this clashing of three factions that are all very different and like have different ideologies. You need to like go around and decide which faction is going to win. And you can see these different outcomes in all the roguelike ways of like you play it with one faction one time, or you die a bunch of times and you get better at the game. So then you can do this other ending and like do a combat heavy playthrough, except the, the game mechanics are terrible. They don't work. <laughs> Most of the time, <laughs> it's incredibly janky. Possibly like the jankiest game I think I've, I've played that is still managed to keep me playing for the entire time. Mm -hmm. It is so like bonkers, poorly put together on so many levels, but it is like the only thing that exists that is like it. There's nothing else that comes close to that, that way of like walking through this weird world with like the Japanese, like fantasy interpretation of what english people look like that that's the part that sells it to me <laughs> oh cool interesting that's pretty cool. it's not even like they look like english people they look like this weird mix of some alternate universe fan fiction version of people it's just strange it's so unique and the game has so many good ideas that are just terribly executed in almost every way <laughs> Mm -hmm. it's really one of those things where they didn't hit the mark on basically anything um, but it is like a franchise I think is super interesting because of that well and it's, and it's interesting too because like the setting of a game like can obviously can influence you to keep playing the same goes for if it's part of a popular franchise of yeah. something that maybe isn't even video game like immediately the two things that come to my mind obviously Star Wars Battlefront 2 is like the big one but uh, and the new one, I mean, and then also, Ryan played this a little bit with me. Aliens, Colonial Marines. Now, yeah, oh boy, I do not. No, 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 l l Brett. Before you, before no, you start, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so Aliens, Colonial Marines, sucks. It is a terrible, yes. terrible video game. However, the one thing they got right is the atmosphere all of the music they recreated all of the uh the environments wonderfully all of the the guns sound like they should 
it atmospherically is very aliens. So what you do is you take the Templar GFX overhaul mod, you slap mm-hmm. that bad boy onto Colonial Marines, and you've got yourself a pretty good aliens game that then is also uh with visual improvements like like way better lighting and just gameplay in general and would i play the game otherwise probably not but it got the the colonial marines it's got the aliens like setting so pitch perfectly that is just like it's it's so much fun to play um and yeah, same thing with with Battlefront Two. Um, is it a great game? No, it's kind of not. It it kind of no. sucks. But will I continue to play it from time to time? Yeah, um, maybe. Be- because because there's just so much Star Wars smeared everywhere. It's cheating. It is one hundred percent cheating. But it get it, there's so much beautiful Star Wars just 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 slathered all over the place that it like i just kind of lose myself in it sometimes and it's fun to just kind of like role play by yourself <laughs> you know definitely definitely all right we, i think we've covered a lot of the games we're going to talk about anyone have any other games they want to bring up with this stockholm syndrome concept anything truly no. despicable that you've you've managed to complete Despite its despicableness. Oh, um, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. My look, my feelings on the game are very complicated. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I can't, I I can't not hate it because of the amount of time it's taken from me and how. <laughs> by the end how just nothing how it just it, like i felt like it was all leading to something and and to, and just to be clear uh i spent 120 hours in the game just trying to finish the story and like get to the last like bit of story it took I'll me never that, get those back it took me that long to get there that long <laughs> mm-hmm. but but Dude, I love that like Viking setting. I just I love that aesthetic so much. Um, I think on the whole, the writing is like not great, but it has its moments. Um, there are some legitimately cool missions. Some missions actually remind me a lot of like Witcher quests, where uh you have to kind of gain favor with with uh, another uh like group, right? And so this person's like, okay, I'm this military person. I have these three leaders, but I suspect one of them is a traitor. And so you have to go talk to these people and you have to kind of put the pieces together of like how these people got ambushed so quickly. And then you have to make a decision of which one is the traitor. And there's different endings depending on which one you get. And that can change gameplay and story stuff pretty like drastically like like it feels very witcher it was very strange like i was playing it i was like this feels a lot like witcher it's very weird in a good way um but then it just just stretched itself out for so long but that setting and sometimes really interesting missions and occasionally good writing and crunchy combat <laughs> it just kind of kind of patted me in the butt and kept me going for that long <laughs> yeah all right i did 
while you're doing that, do another quick scan. And I found, I think, two more games that fit what we're talking about pretty well. The first one I want to mention, because I think it's actually good, but it's just, like, criminally under-budgeted for what it was, which is this wild indie game called Victorum. So I don't know if either of you have ever heard about this. You might have seen GIFs of it before. I think so. And not have <laughs> known what it is. The name is, like... So this was, like, a phenomenon on social media, like, four or five maybe six years ago at this point. And the whole deal was that it was this game where you combined spells in a roguelike inspired by FTL. And it was in third person and you'd walk around and you, it had this crazy destruction engine where all the, the buildings were destructible and you'd summon like meteors from the sky to like rain on buildings and whatnot. And that soul mechanic is what makes the game fun to play because the rest of it is like, no, I don't want to say bad, because I think it is really a case of they were just super under-budgeted for when the game came out and just didn't manage to succeed with what they were really, really going for. But at the same time, they, they succeeded at the spellcrafting part, which is the, the main thing they were trying to do. So it's still very fun to play, but only for a little while, where it kind of falls apart after you, you wear out that enjoyment of that spellcrafting bit and that, that mm -hmm. fun of kind of yeah. creating these different spells and seeing how you can get like how many meteors can you possibly get to spawn at once on the screen when you use as many different modifiers as possible it, it, can you possibly find the way to give kojima to get you a banana during the game i don't know <laughs> uh <laughs> there's a spell that just that just spawns hideo kojima on the map to like i wouldn't put it past them <laughs> but and he doesn't throw them game. he like squirts the banana out of the skin and shoots <laughs> yeah he shoots people. it like a gun and then the banana inside <laughs> just like splats against your face and you're like what that's evil <laughs> so yeah that's the first one but i think that game is actually like it, it's a lot better now and that it's very playable and kind of succeeds at what it's going for but it looks still looks very jank uh but there's a little internet phenomenon game by the name of cube world uh, <laughs> my heart don't do this to me no. <laughs> cube world is this no. wild like two-person project that came out in this early, early alpha phase eight-ish years ago, maybe even ten, and it came out in this early alpha, got super popular on YouTube. This was one of the first YouTube phenomenons after Minecraft yeah! that popped out. Gameplay. Yep. Yeah! Yep. You remember this game? I think most people that are listening to this podcast, if they look this up, will remember what this game is uh, if they forgot about it. So... It went then when it went silent for years and years and years, people were like, okay, maybe it'll come out eventually. Because the developer would like once a year, once every two years, post an update of cool new things they worked on uh, and new stuff. But they weren't updating the alpha with all of that. They were kind of releasing whenever they had a major thing. And then the game went radio silent for like three years. And then randomly yeah. got an announcement they're going to be on Steam in like a month, showed up on Steam and released with a bunch of changes that completely ruined a lot of the game. Yeah, and it's one of those scenarios where everything. they changed so many things that people actually legitimately liked about the original, where they made it so that your progression of like flight and mounts and whatnot is now determined by zone. So every time you mm -hmm. leave the zone you're in, you lose all of your abilities in like flight things. What? But the game is randomly generated what? and exploration-based, so you need to leave yes. your zone to go do different things. So what? it becomes this horrible Welcome. grind of losing <laughs> your, your ability to do things, 
and then not being able to do anything. It how is bonkers how what how poorly executed and thought out it was. It's the kind of thing where like this is why you have a public alpha of your game because as soon as that change is released, mm-hmm. you would see the feedback and be like, okay, we can revert it now while we're not completely messing everything up. Right. I mean that's I mean that's game development in a bubble for you. If there was ever an example of just like completely making <laughs> it is a abundantly game clear own. that this game was not QA tested at all. Like yep. the the QA testers were the players and they did not get new builds. So there was no feedback aside from that people loved the game when it first launched in alpha. Which meant the game eventually launched with terrible, terrible ideas in it. And it's just horrid, which is a shame because it does a lot of really cool things. Like there's some, there's tons of really cool randomly generated areas you can go to. It's got a lot of structures and like randomly generated quests and this cool weapon modification system, and a lot of the, things that are like potentially very cool. But as of now, it kind of seems like the game just sort of stopped development because of the public reaction to it just being so bad. Yep. Uh, as soon as it launched on Steam, it was just horrendously bad. And the art style is so charming. Like I, I, I prefer know. this like this like smaller voxel style over something like Minecraft that has a lot of larger cubes. Well, because it, it so, feels like, like someone charming. took like Final Fantasy three and just made it three D. Well, it, mm. it feels like it's more made out of Legos than anything else. Like really yeah. tiny Lego pieces, which is so cool. It's just extruded pixel art characters, which it looks very good, and it's just it's not good, not good. Oh, it's not, sad. It did not end. <laughs> I have never heard that story before. That's that's the most depressing thing I've ever yeah. heard. Well, you can go visit they, the, the Steam page and see like the reviews. It is rough. I think there is like there might be like a mod that returns it back to the normal version, or there might I I forget. I, there either is one, or I just want one that badly that I've convinced my brain that there is one. <laughs> But yeah. still, that doesn't justify the price tag at all. Such a shame. It's really, really sad. Because it, that, that is yeah. one of those games that had so much potential. Uh, and everyone originally loved it when it was initially shown. So it's just really sad to see it not succeed. And, and kind of sabotage itself in the way it did. Especially because I think the developers are just super hurt by the feedback. And I get that. But at the same time, th- that's the sort of thing that you need to learn to become not immune to, but to make sure yeah. you, you can d- dissect what the useful feedback is from that stuff well, because the game is saveable. Well, that's also what happens when like you don't get any feedback until the game comes yeah. out. It all comes at you at once exactly. rather than than like more easily digestible. Especially when all the initial feedback was positive. I think that's the big thing is there was so much positive feedback that they just didn't think they could really do any wrong. So they just went for whatever they wanted and it failed. Oh, uh, uh, that, that! Oh, god, that hurts. Which means that we're ending. We're bad. ending on a negative note this time. <laughs> All right. Because oh. that's that's what I got. That that's the end of it for for our games of Stockholm syndrome. Because I played a lot of Cube World. <laughs> I wanted it to be good. Was he there, man? <laughs> it wasn't that good. <laughs> Brett, I am gonna recommend though. Uh. Go play Dragon Quest Builders if you haven't. That was like that is like especially two. It's on Game Pass, so. Download that from your Game Pass and and see I'll what Q World could have been. That that, <laughs> game, that game was the was the cyberpunk of of like my childhood right there. I remember yep. being so incredibly hyped and just mm-hmm. like Cyberpunk, it came out 
and no one was happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, and I do think Cyberpunk is another good game that kind of fits this estimation, at least for for Wyatt and I. Of it came out in this awful state, but the the issue with it is mostly just clearly time and overscoping. That is just and overpromising too. If yeah. it wasn't, if it wasn't the technical mess that it was, it be such a different especially story. it was billed as more of a deus ex style game and less of a open world rpg yeah, I think yeah. They, they would have found a lot of success without needing to do all this crazy marketing that they did but it, it would have been a situation where it's like yeah like this isn't the game we were promised but hey we still have a good game here now it's like this isn't what we were promised and it's also a giant mess <laughs> yeah it doesn't function on a console <laughs> whole bunch of yeah. other issues yeah, Cyberpunk, I, I think, is, is the kind of thing where it's hard to talk about it because it, it's so disappointing. It's, it's so really, sad. It's a really good game under, you it's, know, underneath all this garbage. <laughs> I want to believe in, in Cyberpunk survival, but we'll see. that we've, we've yet to see any major progress yeah, on a lot Ryan, of the fronts. Ryan, they have to stop development so they can work on Witcher Go or whatever I, it's called. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're too they're too enveloped in uh, in, in the Witcher, Witcher mobile to really game. give a crap. In the Witcher mobile game. <laughs> All right, that means we're we're to shoutouts. We we do shoutouts at this point in time. Who's ready? I got one. Um. Uh, shout out because uh, cause again, I've been playing Witcher. Shout out to um. Whoever came up with the idea of having a certain Quentin Tarantino quote at a certain mm. point in the game that is like, it's like a little reference that if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't hear. I can't say the reference um, because it's very inappropriate uh, and, and yep. it would mess up the stream. But uh, I laughed and I thought it was really cool. All right. I'm going to give a shout out to... Uh, I. There's a little hidden secret ending in the original Earthworm Jim Special Edition. If you oh. play the game <laughs> on the easiest difficulty and beat it, you don't get the end cutscene. What you get is like a 30-minute long developer just talking about worm facts that steadily becomes more and more demented by the end. I'll play you guys a clip of it after this this episode, but it, it I'd, I'd encourage anyone who hasn't seen that to just go listen to it on YouTube. Because it becomes bonkers by the end. The That's guy is awesome. like just des- describing wor- worm facts and then also complaining about how the developers make him read these lines for the for the credit sequence that no one's gonna see. Ah <laughs> oh, man, it's it's incredible. Oh, oh, it's so much fun. Brett, good. Close us out. <laughs> Uh, shout out to a game that I found, played, and beat last night, uh, Lycanthorn 2 on Steam. Uh, oh, yeah. it's, it is a, a Doom Engine mm-hmm. game that's, like, first-person Castlevania, and there's, like, four characters you can switch from, it's open world somehow, and it was, it was very short, but very good, and I would recommend it. Good couple hours of a night. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was not very long, or difficult at all. Hey, sometimes those kind of demos are great to see. All right, with oh, yeah. that, we we've done it. We did the episode as always. Podcast seven a.m. Tuesday mornings Eastern time. Go watch it, listen to it wherever you would like to. We do have cameras now for the people that are listening. If you do want to watch the, you can search Double One Radio Gamecast on YouTube and find us with cameras on and 
uh, video and any significant video podcast that we occasionally do. There will be a build from January podcast coming soon. We're, we're leaving time because we, we have to organize around our own uh, inane schedules and whatnot and figuring out what... <laughs> yeah. Because we, we don't want to reveal what each individual is doing from the build to January to each other. So we just need to make sure everyone has enough time to prepare something. Some of us still have to figure out what they're even going to do in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That means it's the end of the show. The outro is playing. I hope you all have a good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are. As always, tune in and watch us live on Twitch sometimes. Occasionally. Every yeah, and if you've only listened to us and you uh, you know haven't seen our faces before, uh, you missed out Don't. on all the times I had to... <laughs> Sorry in advance. You missed out on all the times I had to mute my mic and